be, but God, today they're healthy and they're whole. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your grace. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that our hearts will be filled, Lord, with a heart. Lord, our hearts will be full of gratitude today for the things you've done in our life. Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory for what you've done and what you're going to do and what you're about to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to do something. I want you to turn to the first person you can find and just simply tell them something you're thankful for. Come on, find just find somebody and tell them something you're thankful for. Now, if if you If you turned to your, if you turned to a boyfriend or girlfriend and said you were thankful, that did not count to them that you were thankful for them. You need to find somebody else for them to. I'm thankful this morning for so much. I have so many things. One of the things that I would just say to you today, I'm thankful for you. I thank God for each one of you being here today, not just because you showed up to a church service to make me feel better about my ego, but because you came and it says that, hey, I really want to hear something that God has to say to me today. And we've been having an extremely beautiful time around here the last month or so. We've just really been, God's really been moving. If you've missed any of those services, it really would pay for you to go back and listen to them. We had a couple problems with our uh, Facebook live stream, but it's back up. Thank you, Kelly. I'm making sure that's working as Blake. I know might have been involved in some of that, and everybody that takes the time to do that to make sure that that's working, and we appreciate it. We appreciate you doing that. But if you missed last week's service, you really missed a tremendous service, a time that we came together, testimonial time. Angela gave just a beautiful testimony, and and man, it's so you can you don't have to see it, but you can hear it if you want to go over to myrefugechurch.com and you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll find that there. You can listen to it. There's a there's a podcast link and. You can listen on your computer or whatever you want to do. So I'm glad today to be here. Aren't you glad to be here? I said I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm really thankful. And I know that everybody's getting geared up. And you're thinking about what's going to happen this week. And what you're going to eat. And and all that kind of stuff. And some of you might be thinking about what what you're not going to eat. I I don't know. But this time of the year is one of those times of the year that I really wanted to switch. We've been talking about a lot about faith. We talked really a couple weeks ago about faith, and then last week we talked about being unstoppable, and and, and it really was all about faith, but it also is to encourage you and encourage me to be able to leave here and say, you know what, God uh, is is really doing something in our church, He's doing something in our community, and I'm thankful for that, I'm grateful for that. And so today, I, I really was struggling between a couple of messages, and I really already know, I believe next week where I'm going to head and where we're going to go as we go into Christmas season, and I really want to ask you to do something today. I really want to ask you, to me, you can't talk about Jesus without talking about, you can't talk about Christmas without talking about Jesus. So if every message that I preach between now and Christmas, you're just going to have to bear with me if you feel like, well, they don't really, that's not really a Christmas message. Can I tell you, I really want to preach what I feel like the Lord, the direction He's leading me, because that's really what I need to do. And so this morning, I tried to really, uh, you know, today's 
this week's Thanksgiving, and I kind of thought maybe I wouldn't even go this direction, but I really felt like the Lord was okay with me doing that because this is a time of being thankful. It's a time of being grateful, and I'm going to share that with you. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite times of the year. It's the favorite time for most people, I believe, in the South because it talks a lot about most people are going to say, what do you think about Thanksgiving? Well, you know, the first thing we think about is family. A lot of times we do because our families get to come together, and I hope that that happens with you. And if you've got your family or some of your family, or at least you say, well, Pastor, it's not going to be good this year because I, I've got one person that's not going to be at my table. I've got an empty seat. I understand that. Please know that I understand that. But as I said this morning, be careful that you don't get so caught up on what you don't have that you fail to thank God for what you do have. Because you can miss the blessings of God real quick. You can miss your life. You can miss good seasons of your life by, by uh, you know, getting so down. But it's a good time of the year, even though a lot of people go through a lot of stuff. It's, it's a time in the South that we celebrate. I mean, we really do. And we know how to celebrate with food. You know that. You came to the Thanksgiving banquet. You know the dinner that we had. We celebrate with food, right? We celebrate. Most of us have got some kind of team that we're pulling for, hoping that they're going to win. It's deer season. It's all about a lot of these different things that we think about. And there's a story that I thought about this week that I thought I would share with you that I don't share too often, but I believe it's important, in the middle of the book of Luke. It's in Luke chapter 17. That's where we're going to go. And these men that Jesus is about to, to talk to us about is men that need a miracle. They actually need a miracle in their life. There's ten of them. All of them have problems. They have situations that's going on. And the Bible says that one of them in this scripture turns around and comes back and offers gratitude. He offers, he offers thanks. And I want to look at today not just the issue of not giving thanks because I believe that is an issue, but also what, what, what's important about thanks and gratitude. Why is it that you and I, everybody say this word with me, practices gratitude. Practices gratitude. Why practice gratitude? Because if you don't practice it, you'll get out of practice. If you get into practice of being negative, you'll be negative. If you speak all the time about being negative in your life and everything that you say, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. If you come from a family that has the tendency, one person, mom, dad, grandparents, that are negative, if you're not careful, you will allow that generational thing to come to you, and you have to learn to start using different terminologies when you speak. Like the word, you know, it doesn't just have to be negative things. It can be things like, I'm so worried. Boy, I hate that. Because our words have power. The things that we say have power. But we also can learn to be negative. And when it doesn't work out the way that we think it ought to work out, we can say, well, I just knew that wasn't going to work out. I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew that wasn't going to be right. Can I tell you, what about that when we turn it around and we say, God, I know that things do not look like they're in my favor right now. It doesn't look like the score is in my favor. But, God, I'm still believing you for a miracle. I still believe, God, that you're a miracle-working God. I serve not just a God who loves me, 
cares about me and save me, but he's a God who can work miracles. When the doctors say there's nothing we can do but give you these treatments and hope that everything turns all out all right, God, and you say, I don't know what else to do, God, but I'm going to give you my praise. I'm going to give you my honor. I'm going to glorify you and say, Lord, I just know that you're worthy of my praise. Whether this thing turns up or it turns down, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to love you, not for what I'm losing, but for what I have. I'm going to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for the good things of my life. And when you throw your hands up, God says, now that you got your hands out of it, now that everybody else has got their hands out of it, I can do something. Come on, somebody, in your life. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Ten men need a miracle. Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He entered into a village there where ten men with leprosy, they stood at a distance. There's a reason that they're at a distance. They're crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They looked at him and they said, "Go." he says to them, he doesn't say to them, be healed. He doesn't say, let me lay hands on you. He doesn't say, let me get some oil. Let me call for the deacons. Let me get the prayer team. He doesn't say, lift your hands. He doesn't say any of those things. Pastor Ted, what he does is he falls into the Jewish uh, traditions of what needed to happen. And that was when you had a disease, when you had a problem, that you that if you were whole of that disease or believed that you were whole, you were to go represent yourself or show yourself to the priest. You know what Jesus tells them? Jesus doesn't say be healed. He says go in faith, show yourself to the priest. Now i got, I got to tell you something here. It's going to take faith to believe. If you've got something going on in your body that you physically know and can see that it is not right or you know that it's not right, For you to still have that thing you see and go and say, well, by faith, with this bad thing, I believe what this man has said. That's basically what's happening. Go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they're going to show themselves. doesn't say when they left Jesus. It basically says on their way. They're not healed when they leave Jesus. They're walking toward Jesus. The, the, the priest, they're having to make a conscious decision. Can I, I, I'm going to try to preach these notes today, but can I tell you something? That your faith isn't something that's always seen. You can't always see what you've been asked to step out in faith to do. There's some of you here today, and I'm not going to preach on this because I really have a message that I believe that God wants me to talk to you about here soon. And I may do that very week, next week. And if, if you don't want to hear a message about obedience, you may not want to come next week. If you don't want to hear a message about how God can really and wants to bless you, but there's a way that He will bless you, and it will come from an act of obedience out of moments in your life when you feel like it's at your worst time that you don't know what else to do, but just by faith, give it to God. It can be your health. It can be your finances. It can be your marriage. It can be your kids. It's not to be a random thing, but I'm going to tell you that I believe that many times we we want 
We take God and there are levels that God's trying to get us at. He's trying to move us into levels of faith that we sometimes hold back on and we say, well, God, I'm doing the best that I can with what I got and I don't know about moving on. And God's saying, look, I want to I do a miracle and I'm not going to do the miracle without you. I want to do a miracle in your life, so I'm not going to do the miracle without your life. And, I, and the only way that I can do that is by your obedience. Don't tie my hands when I want to bless you. When I've told you what I need you to do, all you've got to do is walk it out in obedience because it's your faith. It is your faith that's going to turn this thing around. I can do it. Jesus would look at the man that needed healing or some that needed healing and he would say to him, do you need to be healed? Do you need to be healed? Do you need to be made whole? And the man would say, yes, I need to be made whole. And then he would say to him, do you believe that you can be made whole? The question is that whether Jesus can do the miracle or wants to do the miracle, he wants to do it. The question is, do you and I have the faith to go and do what he said to do? I'm not even, I got to get back to this because we're talking about gratitude. Look at this. They were cleansed of leprosy, verse 15. One of them saw that he was healed. One of them recognized that this leprosy is gone and he came back to Jesus. He didn't come back and say, Jesus, thank you. Even though that would have been enough. Jesus, thank you for doing what you did. The Bible says that he comes back and the Bible says that he is shouting. I believe there's a reason that some people get a little bit more, as one fellow would say, turned up about what goes on in their life when a miracle happens. Because there is something that happens inside. I, I don't know, maybe this guy was worse than the other. Maybe he was missing more fingers. Maybe he was missing both ears because leprosy was a dreaded, dreaded disease. But it says he came back and he's shouting and he's praying and he's, he's saying, praise God. He doesn't just shout, but the Bible says he falls to the ground at the feet of Jesus. He thanks him for what he has done. This man was a Samaritan. That's all the verse says. Hold on with me now. He fell down to the ground at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he'd done. Look at the last line of this in this verse. I think it's so important because there's a period there, and it says, This man was a Samaritan. You know what he just said? This man wasn't a Jew. This man had every reason because a Jewish teacher has just told him to go show himself to a priest to have rejected what he said. said, you are one crazy Jewish man. You don't, we don't get along. You know that, right? We don't hang out at the same places. You, you know what I'm talking about? We don't do the same thing. So I, But the Bible goes on to say, because there is, and we know this issue, that this man is a Samaritan. I'm trying to get it to you so you understand the purpose of, and the reason behind these things. Thankfulness and gratitude, a, a, a living a life of thanks living or living a life of thanksgiving is a life of thanks living. It's something that you do every day. It's something that you practice all the time. This story shares with us some things that I really want to get across to you this morning. So to break that, I'll tell you a little story. You ready? Years ago, there was a, was a postcard that was put out, published. It was featured by an old-fashioned Thanksgiving. This, this picture was a fantastic.
family of pilgrims and they're walking toward a church. The mother showed her kids the card and she's explaining how the pilgrims enjoyed observing Thanksgiving by, number one, attending church with their family. You know how kids are. They're always skeptical. They're always going to ask questions. They're always going to say the darndest things and you didn't think they would. One of the skeptical kids said to the mom, Mom, if they, those kids are enjoying this so much and enjoying going to church so much, how come the dad walking in the background has got a shotgun in his hand? Why would you tell us that, Pastor? Because I really believe that situations in our life means that perception sometimes can be confusing. What you see and what really is going on can be two different things. Your faith isn't always something that's seen. In other words, the act of your faith is more something that is not seen. It's more about you believing. It's about God wanting to connect in you and do something great in your life. And when things are not so good, when things are not the way that you think they are, as I said to you last week, and I'll say it again this morning, that God is more concerned about the response than the things that are happening to you. How do I respond to what's going down in my life right now? Because as I shared with you for the last two weeks, and I'll share with you this week, we now have 36 days left in 2019. Oh, yeah, it's going quick, isn't it? We started out approaching 50. We were into the 40s, and now we're into the 30s. And we've got 36 days left. And I understand because there are people who are saying, I just want to get out of this year. I just want it to be in the rear view mirror. I just want it to be behind me. I, I, I want it to get over as quick as it can, as it quickly as it possibly can because I'm tired of what I'm going through. And let me just put this out there. Let me just say this this morning and I'll try to move on about it. Be careful that, that 2019 doesn't end too quickly because the lessons you don't learn in this year, you will repeat and you will carry it into the next year. Don't leave this year without a proper response to the year. Pastor, I don't get it. Well, if it's relationships that you're struggling with, if it's one man and another man, if it's Bill this year, it'll be Bob next year. Come on, are you hearing what I'm telling you? It's very simple. If it's financially that you, you haven't been obedient in your heart and you're, and you're trying to figure that out and you keep struggling yet, you feel like God has given to you what you have. I shared with you two weeks ago that God is always faithful in giving you first. God will bless you and give you your first. But what's required after the first, what, what is required of us is an act of obedience. And we've got to act in what God has said. So God's more concerned about how I respond to what's going on in my life, the things that are happening, the things that have happened in 2019, and my gratitude and my attitude and all of this stuff, than he is actually what went down in my life. Are you with me? The Bible says he's calling for us to have a year-round, not a seasonal act of gratitude. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 says this, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you to belong to Jesus Christ. You know, Paul had one of the loudest uh, voices of gratitude. He, he was one of those that had gratitude and thanksgiving, but most people don't think about when Paul is shouting how grateful he is, what he's telling, how thankful he is, where he's at, when he's doing all of this. We read these popular passages of Scripture, and we read ones like out of 
Philippians 4 where Paul would write and say, tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. And we don't ever think about that while Paul is penning and writing these things down that he's chained to a prison cell wall. We don't think about that in his circumstances. He he ain't got money making it rain on him. He's not in the the Hilton five-star accommodations with all the food that he needs. He's chained to a prison wall with rats gnawing on his toes and stale pieces of bread and dirty water being served to him. But yet he would say in in his scriptures what he would write in Philippians 4, tell God what you need and then thank him for what he was what he's done. He said if I've asked God for bread, if they bring me stale bread, I'm still going to thank him. Come on somebody. If it's fresh bread, I'm sure not going to thank him. But in every situation, in every circumstance, I will be content in the situation that I found myself in. You see, giving thanks has nothing to do with my location or my circumstances. It's a choice based on the character of God. Giving thanks has nothing to do with my location or life circumstance. It is a choice based on the character of who God is. Do I believe that God is who He said He is? Do I believe that He will supply all my needs? Do I believe that He will take care of me? Do I believe that He wants to do all of these things? Does the Word declare that He will? Yes, God is all of these things. He is my shepherd. He is my provider. He is my righteousness. He is my healer. All of these things speak about God and who He is and the character of God. But this this leprosy, this passion, this dreading, it's a disease nobody wants. It's not like cancer because cancer can conceal itself or not conceal itself. But leprosy grows on the outside of the body. Leprosy does what we call going public. It it spreads to the skin. It dissolves fingers, ears. The body parts are in full view for everyone. They know something's not right in your life. And the Bible tells us that the fear of contracting this, this thing called leprosy was very real. Much like AIDS was in the 80s. We don't hear a lot about it anymore, but but it was a, a genuine concern and still is a huge genuine concern, but we've learned a lot about that. We've learned a lot of things about this dreaded disease called AIDS and how it can be contracted and all of these different things. Well, leprosy was the AIDS of the day. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And it was very, and sadly, the lepers, the people who had lepers were called leprous people were ostracized to these colonies. They were pushed to these colonies and pushed back where they couldn't have their families. They had to live with people who had the same disease. You you understand what I'm talking about. They were put together with the same people. They were put in communities or leper colonies and they were the loneliest people on earth. See, the Bible tells us that we, or we learn from science that we need the touch of people. We need the we need the interaction of people. We need to know that. And they couldn't touch their, their family. If they were lepers, they couldn't touch their family. They weren't to be around them. As a matter of fact, Jesus, it was against the law for Jesus to have ever even been on the road with them that close. For them to have given out a shout to him and said, hey, can you heal us? Will you heal us? No wonder they begged for Jesus' mercy. No wonder their cries were heard and Jesus healed them and told them, hey, go show yourself to the local priest. And as they walked to the priest, they looked, and to their amazement, their skin has been healed. It's drying up. And when one, now get where we're going, the Samaritan leper saw that he was healed, 
his response wasn't, hey, look, I'm healed. I need to go on and get me some brand new clothes. I need to go get me some new shoes and new sandals. I need to run over and see my family. I, I need to go I need to go on to some bigger and better things because Jesus has healed me. Because most of us, if we'd have been turned around and healed and everything would have been all right, we'd have been on our way out. We would have never turned around and said thank you. But this one Samaritan leopard and a Jewish teacher decided in his mind, I'm going to go back and I'm going to give proper gratitude. I'm going to practice some thanks because I'm going to tell you, if you're not thankful for what you have, you can end up losing what you've got. And the Bible says he was instantly healed and he fell at the feet of Jesus and he was thankful. You know what? You say, well, pastor, that's just one instance because Jesus was, he was, he did a lot of stuff and a lot of people, a lot of people thanked him. Can I tell you something? That ain't true. I've studied the Bible and I've read it. And Jesus rarely got any thanks that he deserved from those he ministered to. If you read about him turning the water into wine, when his mama said, hey, son, you need to get involved in this. We've run out of wine. That ain't something that you do at a wedding feast. And the Bible says that Jesus did what he did. When he made it, there was no thanks. Read it for yourself. No record that he ever got any thanks for the miracles of healings that he did. No record that for thanks for the feeding of the 5,000 who had no food. No thanks for the calming of the storm of his own disciples. Can I tell you something? And why in the world would we come into the house of God on a Sabbath Sunday? Come into a place that we call worship. A place where we ought to be practicing gratitude. Where we ought to be giving God the highest praise. And sit back on our haunches and say, well God, I'm here today. I made it. We got the kids dressed and we got the old hoopty crank and got to church today, that ought to be good enough. You know what? No, he deserves highest praise. He deserves our glory. He deserves our honor. He deserves us falling at an altar of prayer and saying, God, I don't even deserve to be here today, but I am grateful and I am thankful that I am in this house today and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give you an offering of thanks living today. Amen. Paul knew that. He knew it very well how important it was to have gratitude. He encouraged the believers. He said, when you respond, respond with for your blessings. Respond with thanksgiving. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I'm going to give you a, a lot of verses here. I'm trying to get to the first point. He said, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing, victory. We think about victory in a lot of ways. There's victories over a lot of things. 2 Corinthians 2.14, the first part of that verse, Paul said, Thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. How can my response be gratitude, look at this, when I don't, somebody say, feel like being thankful? We just sit around at the house and we do Thanksgiving. You guys have traditions, I'm sure. And one of the things my dad was very he was very adamant about it. My, my dad was raised poor. He didn't have a whole lot. We were raised poor. I didn't realize we were raised poor until I, you know, you start figuring that out and you start realizing you don't have what everybody else has that you're wearing. Somebody else is handing down to the school that your clothes don't come from J.C. Penney's. They come from Kmart Blue Lights. <laughs> you realize that yours have got holes in them. It's not popular to have holes. You didn't buy them to have holes in them. But you go to school that way. And that you didn't get a new pair of Nike Airs, because they wasn't Nike Airs then, but you didn't get a new pair of Nikes or a new pair of Reeboks or a new pair of New Balance or anything else before you went to school. You wore the ones you didn't wear out the week, the year before. 
I'm telling you truth. My mom will verify what I'm telling you. There was a lot I did not realize of those things. My dad, we'd get around a Thanksgiving table, and my dad was all about community. We didn't call it community. We called it family, but he was all about making sure that the family came together and that anybody else who did not have in our community came. He didn't care. He'd invite you. He would invite you to eat. If they didn't have, he made it popular long before a lot of the hipsters are trying to make it popular. You know, get the get the people off the streets and feed them. No, we didn't really have streets that kind of streets in Bulls Gap. But Daddy would invite people to house. Listen to what I'm telling you. When we sat down to eat, though, Daddy was going to do the same thing every time. All right, y'all. He he was he was going to pray for one of the things he was going to do. But before he prayed, he was going to say, "I want you guys to go around this table." I'll tell something about you. Man, you know how we are as kids. You just want to eat. You, you didn't care about being thankful. You you were, you know, good food, you know, that kind of thing. God bless. You know, let's eat kind of thing. But Dad wanted us all, and I'll be honest with you. You say, Tony, that shouldn't have been too hard. There's only three or four of you kids. Well, that was if we didn't have um foster kids in our home, which we did because mom and dad had foster kids regularly. Some of you know my oldest sister and my youngest sister are both adopted. They're my sisters, but they were adopted. My oldest adopted before I was ever born. And then during those years, my parents brought in foster kids, so it was nothing for us to be sitting around the table. And the adults all sat at the big table, and the kids got to sit at the card table. Y'all know what that is. That's the wiggly one that the Kool-Aid gets dumped off of. When somebody gets out of it too quickly. Dad was always going to say, you need to go around and say something you're thankful. And I really never thought a whole lot about that when I was younger because I thought, hey, we got everything that we need. We had clothes on our back. They may have been hand-me-downs. We had food on our table. My mama could cook, you know. You know what I'm talking about? We had each other. I didn't think about the fact that we were pushing a 69 Volkswagen off the hill to get it started to go to Sunday school on Sunday morning that had no air conditioning in the summer and in the heat, if you've ever had a Volkswagen, it all blows under the, the back, uh, the front seats to the back feet in your floorboard and burns you out. I didn't think about the, the issues that a lot of people thought about. I didn't think about all that stuff because I thought we've got all we need. Can I tell you something? I believe that it's important for you and I to thank God for what we've got, not what we don't have. That we need to practice this thing called gratitude and thanksgiving. Amen. So how can I do it when I don't feel like it? Well, I don't feel like thanking. Well, listen to this. Gratitude does not change your circumstances. But what it does, it changes, it can, your perspective can change your response. In other words, how you look at it can change the way you respond to it. There are things that are going to happen. I'm going to try to do this as quick as I can. I know some of you would rather hear something else, but just listen to me. There are things in your life that you're not going to get to choose that happen to you in life, but you will have a choice of how you respond to them. You're not going to get to choose the things that happen in your life. You're not going to get to choose the situations that happen to you always, but you will you will have an opportunity to respond to it. How do you respond? Luke 17, 14, the Bible says this. He looked and he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. 
And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They could have chosen not to have responded in that way. The, this portion of the scripture said, it stood out to me more than anything else because it says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they were going about their day, as they followed in obedience, amen, they were healed. I'm just curious, how many times, how many of us, are going through just daily routines every day that's going on in our life. And sometimes we want to complain. Sometimes we want to fuss about what's going on. I'm just wondering how many times we go through our day and there are miracles that are happening in my life, miracles that are happening in your life, and we never recognize the miracle. Jesus even asked the question, Hey, weren't there ten guys that came? Weren't there ten that got healed? That's a simple version of it. Weren't there ten guys who came and received their healing? What happened to the other nine that were healed? Did they not get the same miracle? I mean, they had leprosy. They were healed of the leprosy. The Bible tells us that. But we know that only one comes back. So why only one returns for thanks? How about you? Maybe the others didn't get it. Maybe they didn't get it. Maybe that wasn't in their heart. You see, something I realize about thankfulness and gratitude, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, it is more a heart issue than it is anything else. Even talking about this offering that we call Legacy Christian Offering, I don't know about you, but I haven't won the lottery this year. You can laugh. You don't have to be religious. I, I haven't won the lottery, and they say you have to buy tickets to do that. And so, so I haven't won the lottery. I haven't won anything at the down at casinos, but you have to go in order to win that. And so, haven't done that either. So, so through the years, Bethany and I make a conscious decision that for this time of the year, we won't listen to what I'm going to say. This is not for you to look at me and say, Pastor, you just can do that. I invite you to come and try to do what we do on the budget sometimes every year with a wife who does choose to stay home and does try to work a business to try to help with things that sometimes that we don't feel like are always what they could be listen we got everything we need I'm blessed this morning because we made trips to Honduras I know what it's like down in South America I know what it's like trying to, to run things when you just don't have it. I understand what it, I know, I understand, I understand. So during this legacy offering, we make a conscious decision that year. Isn't it amazing sometimes the decision isn't made until we say, hey, December 8th, we really would like to have, this is the last time we're going to give, and you're like, man, I got to do that. I got to do that. No, here's the thing, make a conscious decision through the year of what you're going to do and work toward that goal. So if we the decision is made, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to try to do. This is what we're going to believe God for. This is what we believe God's going to do in our life. Whatever it takes to achieve that goal, to make sure that we can do it, that's what we do. And sometimes it's hurtful. Let me just share it with you. I'm not trying to tell you this. Thing. I want to give away more than I get. 
It's a principle that most people don't get. They don't gather. Pastor, how in the world would you give away more than you give? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But for most of us, we want to take what God has given to us and see how much of it we can keep. When God is saying to us, don't do that. Now here's the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you a little bit more on this. God didn't tell me to take my tithe and give it to my brother-in-law. He didn't tell me to take my tithe and give it to my sister-in-law. He told me to bring it to the storehouse that there might be plenty there. The offering is how he wants to bless me above that. A tithe is a requirement. An offering is a blessing above that. I'll get into this some other time. I'll teach on it. So for us, we don't look at... Okay, we know what our tithe is going to be. We know what we're going to give. I want to say, God, however you're going to bless me, I'm going to anticipate that blessing. In other words, whatever you're going to do in my life, let me be able to do more than that back. Because here's the thing that I've learned from God. Let me give this to you. With a heart that's filled with gratitude and blessing, you will never outgive God. And once you give it, God say, okay, you want to help the ante? You want to do a little bit more? You want to do a little? You want to try me? You want to check me out? I know you've been tithing. I know now that you've stepped up and you just went to the next level and you decided that you were going to do this and this offering. You just didn't figure that I could meet that need. You're going to try to give away more than I can give to you. Can I tell you that God, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. If you don't believe it, try it. Man worked for me several years ago. I say he was working for me and Bethany's dad on a job. This man now was not living for the Lord. He had stepped away, but for many years went to church. And I was talking to him one day on the phone. And he said, Tony, he said, I really believe that you could outgive God. And he said, every time, now this is from his words, Bethany knows, I, she's heard me tell this before. He said, and I, I, I'm assuming it's truth. He told me it's truth. I'm just going to believe that it's truth. He said, I decided that instead of giving my tithe and giving my offerings to the Lord like I normally did, I would just sign my paycheck over and give it to God and see what he would do. Now, this man was not in church now. He wasn't living for the Lord, but he had for many years. And he told me with tears in his eyes, you cannot outgive God. I tested him. Gratitude in your life is not based on how you feel your circumstances. It's based on the source of your gratitude. The reason that people seem to act differently with thanksgiving and gratitude depends on the place they have been at. In other words, what's happened since. It's amazing to me that for most of us, you know, if we come to a worship service, we really don't have to. Worship is not about what necessarily what God has done, get this, it's who he is. Worship is not about what God did for you or what God did not do for you. It's about who he is. It's about the character of God, just who he is. Thank you. It's about who he does it. It's about his character. He's all of these things. So much of my provider, no provider. He's all of these things. That's the character of God. That's what worship is. Not praise. Praise and worship are two different things. Worship is about the character of God, who He is. We worship God for His character. But many people will come into a church service, and because they don't feel like it's worship, but they don't feel like worshiping, 
Well, pastor, I'm just not as expressive. I'm not just as vocal as you are. Well, you couldn't tell me that when LSU and Alabama was playing. You, you couldn't tell me that last night when, when, when Tennessee was beating socks off of whoever they was beating socks off of. They didn't really. They got by. But, yeah. They won. I'll take it any way we can get it. Don't look at me that way and act religious because some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Your team's been there or are there right now. Amen. So what I say is not vocal, but is vocal on Saturday. But on Sunday we're like, nah, I don't want to get in here. People think I'm crazy. You said in a stadium was half of them full of drunk as a skunk and you didn't care. Yeah, but I won't see them next week. Can I tell you something? Worship has nothing to do with circumstances, what's going on in your life, what hasn't gone on in your life. Worship has to do with the character of your Father. Not just your God, but your Father. He is your Father. He is your Father. Lord, I have come into this house, and I'm going to worship regardless. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut, because the Bible says if I keep my mouth shut, that even the rocks would eventually cry out. close this thing up with this. Gratitude. It's a godly quality in our life and a lack of it is a heart condition. Being unthankful leads to spiritual issues according to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, I, I know, let me just read a little bit of this here in just a moment. The reasons that Christians a lot of times live with a thankful heart toward God and that's how we distinguish who we are from the world. But when Paul characterized the spirit of the last days, it wasn't a pretty picture. Matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, he says, Know this, that in the last days there's perilous times going to come. If you didn't know what we are in the last days, we've been in the last days for some time now. Men would become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. And then he starts with unthankful, unholy. He gives us, he says, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than others. Let's go. Five, having the form of godliness. We go to church, we, we say we love the Lord, but we deny its power. And look at this, and from such people, he said, turn away. Paul said in the last days, it's going to be marked by depraved traits of in dangerous days. Why? He's telling us when it starts in verse 2, and among this list is the spirits of ungratefulness or a spirit of ungrateful people. Unthankfulness is dangerous because it leads to an unholy life. Thank, thank you is something that's not often said. You know, if we don't, if we forget to say thank you, we don't think a whole lot about it. But if somebody shows us a love, come on, somebody. How many, I know there's some southern gentlemen in here. Let me just share this with you. I still open the door for my wife. 31 years married, I still open the door for her. I try never to walk in front of her if it's something my dad did. If you do, I'm not fussing at you. I'm not upset at you. I'm just telling you it's what my daddy put in me, okay? If I'm helping you, praise God, just look straight ahead. Don't squeeze your husband's hand. Don't shake him. Just, just straight ahead. I still do that. Every now and again I slip up, but I try never to do that. 
Now, Michael, because that was put inside of me, it's the tendency, I don't care who it is walking in super junior, I'll open that door. But I'm going to tell you something that absolutely frustrates me to absolutely no end. Y'all feel my pain here this morning. We're going to get done. Y'all go home to eat and all that kind of stuff and feel good about yourself and be an encourager. But you better get ready next week because I'm going to pull back both hammers again. Open the door for them. And they look back at you as though they were liberated in the 90s. You, you know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know. There's a, it isn't the Spirit of God. I'm almost sure it's drugs because there's a spirit that comes over me that wants to take the door and push it just hard enough that it catches them right on the back of the heel. I, I know that ain't from the Lord because he said all good things come from God and ain't nothing good about that. That hurts. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So there are times in our life that we might not be as grateful or thankful and it's okay because we forgot that. But can I tell you, if somebody owes that thanksgiving or they owe that gratitude to us, we sure want to know that. What are you telling me, Pastor? I'm telling you, you've got to be careful because there is such a thing as an ungrateful spirit and it can lead to un holiness. Why? You've got to practice gratitude. You've got to practice being thankful. Y'all heard me tell my daddy years ago. Bulls Gap had one little small post office that would fit maybe in a couple of our little rooms back then. No joke. And there's one guy who always was there. His name was Mr. Bill Grubbs. I went to school with his son. Mr. Bill, when we came in to get the mail, if you had a post office box or you had to pick something up, Mr. Bill had a thing of suckers or dum-dums. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And he would always give the kids for me. And, man, that was my highlight of getting to go into town because Mom didn't buy candy. She just did I mean, we just didn't. It just wasn't something she did. So he would hand me that sucker. But I'm going to tell you something. The very first words that better come out of my mouth while it's in transition better be these words. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Because I knew that if I was not thankful or grateful for what he has done, or given to me, it was fixing to go right back before the rapper ever thought about coming off of it. It wasn't going to be stuck it in my mouth like some kids do now, and a mom trying to coach them to say, I'm preaching better than y'all helping me, trying to coach them to tell them thank you while they're sucking on it. No, it never got there. And if it did, Mike, it would probably end up in the trash can. Because, Daddy, we the tradition there in East Tennessee is not so much yes, sir, no, sir, no, ma'am. It's different there than it is here. It was, I had to learn that here. I had to teach my kids that here because it just wasn't something we'd ever had. But I'm going to tell you that thank you and no thank you was something you, you knew from early on because it was an attitude. It, was a, it, wasn't just a, it wasn't whether I feel like it or I don't feel like it because I really believe it says in our heart, our society is so filled with selfish, self-centered, and most live with a sense of entitlement, and they say, enough in my life is never enough. Give me the most that I possibly can get. But remember this, that only one leper turns around and gives Jesus thanks, and I'm sure that the other nine were happy for what happened in their lives, but they never did anything. They never turned around. The other nine didn't. And to me, this says something about it. The majority cared about their healing while only one 
worship the healer. I'm going to tell you, when you come into church, regardless of what everybody else is doing, how well you like the song or didn't like the song or how good the pastor preached or didn't preach, don't leave out of this place with an ungrateful heart saying, well, you know, it wasn't enough. I thought it would be better. I thought we'd have this happen or that happen. Listen, we've got to continually learn to worship him, not for what he does, not because he can heal my body, not because he can give me $10, but because he is my provider. He can provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's a God that hasn't changed. I just need to have a holiness, a heart of holiness that says, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Genuine hurt worship will come from a heart of gratitude. Pastor, what do we do when you when you learn to continually worship God in the face of our adversity, even when it doesn't look good? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Our perspective begins to be reset and our focus shifts from our problems to the provision. Let me say it again. When you learn to worship God in the face of adversity, our perspective is reset. You learn something different. And our focus shifts from our problems to God's provision. And from that, our worship will flow from a heart of gratitude, Luke 7 and 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, verse 16, and he fell down on his face and given him thanks. Now, this is the part that stands out to me. I'm going to touch this, bump this, and we're going to go. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't a white boy. I got to get it where you can understand it. When I say Samaritan, a lot of people just shh. Just shh. Jesus, Jewish teacher, rabbi. This man's Samaritan. He come from the south. He come from where we a lot of times are bad about stereotyping and saying, well, that's just a Samaritan. tell you good when it gets quiet and the communication ability that we have as humans God gave to us differently and it's a primary distinction between us as humans and what animals do I heard this story years ago never knew the whole totality or the full story of it but I'm going to share it with you one of the highest forms of our communication evolved was working with animals. There was a 20th century preacher. His name was Dr. Harry Ironside. I remember reading about him in Bible college. And he illustrates the story. And he's telling of going into this crowded restaurant and he's, he's eating. And Dr. Ironside prepared to sit down. He eats. And while he was eating, there was a stranger that was sitting near him. He watched... The stranger did as Dr. Ironside bowed his head and began to pray over his meal. When he finished praying, the stranger asked, Sir, do you have a headache? Dr. Ironside replied, No. He asked him again, Well, there's something wrong with your food. Dr. Ironside said, No. He said, I was just simply giving thanks or thanking God as I always do before I have a meal. The man said, Oh, you're one of those. says the stranger to the doctor, well, 
When I eat, I just start right eating. Dr. Ironside looked at him, and his voice was coarse, but his answer was simple. Sir, you're just like my dog. He does that too. Can I tell you something? I don't care where I'm at. I, I don't care if the little, the little fella at the Mexican restaurant has got to wait on me to finish or not. I'm going to thank him. Come on, somebody. I, it don't take but just a moment, Lord. You say, but I, 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 I work for that pastor. I'm the one that did all of that. I'm the one. I'm, that's where all that stuff come from. It's my hard work. I, I'm the one that, I got this food. I got the shelter over my head. This car. The Bible says, listen to this. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And I need you to hear this. We're getting real close. Your work or you may be your supply, but your source will always be God. And as our source of blessing, I believe that we've got to be thankful. We've got to be thankful because He's worthy of our worship. Worship is a reflection of a heart that's filled with gratitude. Only one came back. Only one came back. Only one came back with gratitude. Notice that Jesus never says, you, you lepers need to have more faith. He didn't say that. Jesus was looking for obedience because that was what the lack of was there. That was in their heart. There was the problem. But what I want to tell you as we close this and our team's getting ready to go. Just one simple thing. I read to you out of the middle of chapter 11. If you go to the first part of chapter 17 and you read it for yourself, Jesus had just taught a lesson. I pulled from the middle of it. Remember me telling you, for you to really understand the scripture, you need to just read above it. You need to just read below it. Sometimes you can read the chapter behind it. You'll have both the page behind it and the page ahead of it. Understanding the context. What's amazing to me, Pastor Ted, read it. Take time this week, read it. Jesus is talking about being offended in the first verse, few verses of that chapter and jump in from being offended to the story about these lepers. Kind of amazed me there for a minute because I really wondered why. Because it's interesting that when Luke looks at this, he doesn't record a lot about the other nine that doesn't come back, but it is important in that verse that we read that he says he was offended. Samaritan the Samaritan ancestry and the Jewish ancestry literally hated each other. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans because they came from mixed marriages and messed up lives. They put the dysfunction or the fun in dysfunction. It was so intense that the Jews would not associate with them. It wouldn't have anything to do with them. See, the mixed marriages, if you do the history and the research, the problem with it was, wasn't that it was black and white that a lot of times people think. It was the fact that it was Jews and Samaritans that were intermarrying. And the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other for it. It was, it was legalistic laws written within the laws of Moses and other things that were going on. But that was the problem. And Jesus, here's what's crazy, is he just teaches about being offended and people being in offense. Can you guess which one of these lepers offended the disciples? That's why Jesus stopped 
and tells the story. That's why he makes, that's what makes this story so unusual, that the lepers had no reason to expect a Jewish leader or teacher to respond or recognize him as much as he did, but he he offered this thanks, so Jesus said, hey, I want you to pay attention to this one little guy. He had all the reason in the world to have left and left the crowd, but he didn't. He made a difference. Team's going to come. They're going to sing this last song. Very simple message. I apologize if it was so simple to you this morning. I really believe this morning that this is something the church needs to hear because the more that we thank him, the more that we show him gratitude, the more that we will worship a God who didn't just create us but loves us anyway. The more that we recognize that the things that we have, sometimes we think about never enough. We, we just don't have enough. We just don't have enough. We just don't have what we need. We just want more. The truth of it is, for many of us, we could go home and have a have an online eBay sale for the shoes and clothes we got to wear. 